Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the BWI Daily Edition. It's Steve Frank going solo today, the day before Thanksgiving. Shocking that, uh, you know, people spend time with their families. Uh, but not you and me. We're going to talk about Penn State football here for a couple of minutes. Some interesting news coming out of yesterday. This is Tuesday's James Franklin press conference. We're going to we're going to get to uh, Parker Washington's injury and the effect that that's going to have on the offense. And of course, some of the more interesting things heading into this weekend. Light scouting report on Michigan State on the BWI Daily Edition. Those things are interconnected, by the way. Parker Washington, his loss on the offense, and of course, how Penn State might attack Michigan State. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr, on the BWI Daily Edition. Make sure you check out uh, the show today, and of course, all the other stuff we have on our YouTube channel. Exclusive content like James Franklin's weekly press conference, the Wednesday night press conference before Thanksgiving. Uh, usually you get a lot of interesting stuff because, you know, it, it's just... It's the hardcore people that are there, the people that are, uh, you know, local and haven't traveled for Thanksgiving. And you, it's a more laid back atmosphere. So if you want to get some interesting stuff about Penn State heading into the game against Michigan State, check out our YouTube channel. If you're here watching the video, please give it a like. Always appreciated. And we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about uh, James Franklin, what he had to say yesterday. The big news, of course, is what everyone expected the status of Parker Washington. Not so great for Washington, like like I typically do. Um, Parker will be done for the season. Um, I did have that conversation with with him and his mom. Um, uh, so so I wanted to make sure I covered that, you know, with them first, made sure everybody was comfortable with it. Um, uh, Olu Fashanu, we expect back. Um, you know, when that is, you know, we'll see. Hopefully this weekend, we'll see how that that plays out. Uh, and same thing with Joey Porter. So, really, the other two, Olufashanu, Joey Porter Jr., we know the effect that that's, have, uh, that's had on the team. Uh, you've got Marquise Wilson playing more. You've got uh, Drew Shelton, the true freshman, playing left tackle. So, those things are pretty solidified. But losing Parker Washington has created a very interesting cascade effect on the offense. And how they decided to replace him is both surprising and not surprising. And we'll get into why that is and and what we've seen here on the show. And it starts really with Mitchell Tinsley. Mitchell Tinsley is a great route runner and uh, maybe not the most explosive guy, but he is a big physical receiver that has been the boundary receiver for Penn State this year, um, playing that kind of X role, big bodied possession guy, move the chains, catch the football, but also stretch the football field, kind of the complete role with Parker Washington then in the slot. Now, when they go to two tight ends, this all changes, right? So you can have guys lined up in different positions, and it's not all 100% uh, 
one thing. But that's generally how things have gone. Parker Washington, since he got to Penn State, has been the slot receiver, and he hasn't come off the football field. This is the first time they're going to miss him uh, in three seasons, and then Mitchell Tinsley has been, he stepped into that role for the Nittany Lions. And this is where things changed last week against Rutgers, and it had uh, what I think generally you can describe as sort of a negative effect on the production of the the offensive unit as a whole. So this is what I just described. 80% of Mitchell Tinsley's snaps for the season, including last week, have come from out wide uh, at that boundary receiver position. And that's really brought the balance that Penn State has needed of two good route runners that can beat man coverage and can you know reasonably stretch the football field against zones and have some opportunities against man coverage. But with Parker Washington out, like they did in the blue-white game when he didn't play in the spring, that means Tinsley moved into the slot as a route runner and a guy that they trust in that position, and they moved Keandre Lambert-Smith over to that position that Tinsley had been operating in, meeting Harrison Wallace, then takes the third receiver position. That coincided with also playing more receivers, playing more three receivers against Rutgers because Rutgers came out and wanted to stack the box. They played with uh, eight guys, seven, eight guys in the box most of the game to try and stop the run. So to spread the field out and to hit some of those quick-hitting screens and just generally to give the offense some breathing room, Penn State played more three-receiver sets. So they lose Parker Washington, and the game plan and the game flow dictates they need to put more receivers on the football field. And that worked, and it didn't. It took them a little bit, I think, to kind of adjust the game plan and get the ball to Tinsley because a lot of their set plays and, and a lot of things we're going to get to in just a little bit, they are designed to go to Tinsley and Washington. And if you're uh, if you're trying to run general basic plays at the beginning of the game, um, those are going to go to either of those guys. And, and Keandre Lambert-Smith struggled in the game. He had two contested catch opportunities. He did not catch either of them. He didn't have a drop. But he was targeted six times and only came up with three passes for nine yards. So it was a bad game for Lambert Smith in that new position. Um, but it's not necessarily been something surprising. He has five catches for 20 yards over the last three games. So Keandre Lambert Smith working back from that injury, but also just generally the way the offense has evolved. It has evolved into a tight, two tight end system and a two tight end set. But when he does receive those targets, he hasn't necessarily been making the most of them. And to me, that's the surprising thing of how they shifted the offense is they put maybe their least physical receiver in one of the more physical positions that isn't just speed and kind of that backside receiver position, a guy that they had to call upon and get more targets than he had in the previous three games, four games combined. Um, and it did not work out well. So how is that going to change this week? Because Tinsley, in the end, I thought performed well against uh, Rutgers, despite the slow start. Five receptions, 63 yards, a solid performance, moved the ball, got open, and when he had the opportunity, he caught the ball and got yards after the catch when they were designing plays to get the ball in his hands specifically and pivot away from what they were doing at the beginning of the game. So this is an area that I think Penn State is going to have to adjust this week. Is I don't know that if you put Tinsley in the slot against Michigan State, you're going to be able to run the same routes and the same stuff uh, against the Spartans. Now, this is where the different defense that you're facing 
is interesting because Rutgers wants to play, you know, they want to play zone coverage. They'll play man coverage. They want to stack the box and stop the run. Michigan State is less interested in stopping the run. Um, not necessarily from a, a desire standpoint, but from a schematic standpoint. Where are you deploying your resources? Michigan State plays with two high safeties. They are one of the teams that plays with six players in the box, which is just four defensive linemen, two linebackers. They do that more than just about any team in the Big Ten. So they're playing, they're trying to stop big plays. They're trying to rally from deep to play the run. And that's where I think this week the game plan is going to change. Because Penn State, in that situation, if you know that, the two tight end offense, forcing them to do something they don't want to do, that could be an area where all of the stuff that we're talking about right now doesn't necessarily translate to this game against Michigan State if Penn State goes again heavy into their two tight end sets and they're playing the run game, which Michigan State struggles to stop the run, and the play-action pass off of that, feeding the tight ends over the middle of the football field, which, again, against a too-high look, if you can force them to do that, you do have the opportunity to create plays over the middle of the football field. But let's just say that Penn State... They're still going to run three receiver sets, right? They're still going to be able to, are going to need to go into obvious passing situations and bring other receivers on the football field. Moving Tinsley back out to his natural position and inserting a different player in the slot, which is what I thought they were going to do last week. Now, this is where it gets fuzzy and where the, the game plan and the coaching, uh, you have to trust that they see more in practice than you and I do on, on film. But one player that had been playing more recently and had actually been spelling Parker Washington in the slot was, was Liam Clifford. And he didn't get the opportunity to step up and be a starter in that situation, which I guess isn't surprising given that Keander Lambert-Smith has been one of the, you could call it a co-starter, you know, the, the third receiver, which is still sort of a starting position when you are in a two-tight end, three-receiver offense, right? Um if they put Liam Clifford in and he's able to run routes, get open, make those catches, he might not be Parker Washington, but he can make those plays. Um, that level of consistency is what I guess we would have found out last week against Rutgers. And they did, they opted for, we'd rather have Tinsley in the slot and be the, the number one receiver for the offense. So are they going to do that this week or are they going to flip it after the lack of success that Lambert Smith had in that new role? That's something I'm looking at this week, considering that Michigan State is one of the worst teams when it comes to coverage busts and mental mistakes in the secondary. They are not great at maintaining their level of dis discipline. They will they'll bite on double moves. They will chase things. They'll get out of position. And if Penn State wants to attack them deep, which a lot of teams want to attack a weakness like that, you are at times going to need a third receiver. You're going to need that third receiver out there. And who is the guy that's going to be able to draw the double coverage or to draw the attention to open things up for somebody else? Uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith, going back to that big play, low volume, high depth of target guy, he and Harrison Wallace are, are that guy so far in this offense. And without that X out there, that's where I think, aside from Sean Clifford's inconsistencies last week, some of the problems in the passing game came from the lack of consistency and just getting yardage, getting plays, positive plays from that receiver position. And that's going to be the reality going forward without Parker Washington is it's not necessarily about somebody stepping up and being Parker Washington, just consistently executing the job asked of you. Um, and we were we covered some of this with uh, Lambert Smith in the film study over at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, which came out yesterday. 
Uh, before we get into our second part of the conversation uh, that kind of ties into all of this, make sure you subscribe to Blue White Illustrated here on YouTube. Consider it an early Black Friday present for me, is just hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel if you haven't yet, and uh, help us grow the channel and make sure that we can have these conversations with you here 24-7, coming to you the day before, the day after, and by the way, on Thanksgiving Day itself, we're going to have a show for you Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We're going to have the Hoops podcast coming out as well before the game against uh, Lafayette on Friday. So either Thursday or Friday, be checking out for all that stuff. Blue White Illustrated going strong for you through the holidays. Okay, so early game struggles. Penn State, despite being a good team, offensively, even during this run of blowouts, starting with uh, the game against Minnesota, continues to struggle in the first half, getting yardage, points, and putting together drives. And we all talk about adjustments in football, right? Like you need to be adjusting. You adjust your game plan. What, but what? how do you know what to adjust to? How do you know what the team that you're facing is doing? And how do you know, and how quickly can you know that? Because... Let me give you an example. Um, they send a blitz at you. Now, is that something they did in that moment? Um, or is that going to be the theme of the game? Every team has a new wrinkle or has a new way of playing you specifically. Their defense tailored to face you. How do you ferret out the new wrinkles? How do you find out what the team is trying to do without over-adjusting? you know, kind of hitting your target. And how long does that take? Because we, we take it as a for granted as a given in football that coaches are supposed to adjust. So I asked uh, James Franklin about that because it seems like an interesting thing for him to fill us in on. The interesting thing is the longer your opening drive is, the better. Obvious. You know, that, that sounds obvious. But what I mean by that is when you can kind of get through all these different formations and sets and shifts and motions and say, okay, are they playing the way we anticipated them playing based on the game plan or where are they different and identify those things as quickly as we possibly can. What's the blitz of the week? What, what are all those things? That's where that, that opening drive, not only do you want to be able to do those things, but you also want you know, you want plays that are multi-purpose. You know, you don't really want to be running plays that are specific game plan plays to attack a certain coverage that you're expecting out of a certain formation or field zone. You know, you want to be able to go kind of bread and butter, you know, base plays that are multi-purpose that have answers versus a variety uh, of things. Because to your point, you, you don't typically know. And then the problem is if you go three and out, not only have you gone three and out, which is a negative, you haven't really had the time or opportunity to see are they playing all the formations and field zones the way we expect them to. So it's kind of a, a double negative. So it, it is, it can snowball. Bad offenses, and I think you can see this throughout football, just anecdotally, if you think about it. Bad offenses start out slow. They get less information from the defense who can hold more away from them and, and have more of their game plan to drip throughout the game. And therefore, they keep that advantage because once the cards are on the table, everyone knows what the game plan is. You go in at halftime and you make adjustments. And that's where we, we've seen, I think, from Penn State specifically, 
into the second quarter and then through halftime especially, Mike Yersich has been very good at making these adjustments and making these things on the fly. Um, and really having that that time to go in and say, okay, here's what we're going to do, and then relate that information to your quarterback and to the rest of your team. And we have seen them make progress throughout games to get yardage and points later, but that discovery phase of the game, the first quarter, when teams are feeling each other out, they have struggled at times of putting together opening drives and going three and out. If you think back to the game against Michigan where they went three and out twice, no idea what the Penn State game plan was, but we don't really know what the Michigan game plan was because they didn't have to use a whole lot of it, which then tamps down your offense throughout the game. And that is where, uh, to me, it is not to have the conversation about Sean Clifford again, but that would be the benefit of having a veteran quarterback that has seen a lot of things and can accelerate that process. Good quarterbacks, they've seen a bunch of stuff before. They can adjust to it. They don't need to be told and led by the hand through a lot of things that they uh, that need to happen and need to adjust throughout the game. And when it comes down to the offensive coordinator getting a chance to step back, look at everything, and make the structural and play-by-play -play adjustments, that's when we see Penn State kind of take over and they're able to dial up better plays. But as James Franklin said, if you're going through the first part of the game trying to figure out what the defense is doing, and you're calling a lot of plays that have a lot of options, but your quarterback isn't great at going through the options, you tend to start slow. You tend to have a hard time putting together drives and understanding what the defense is doing, and therefore adjusting more quickly and attacking more effectively. Uh, so there you go. There's the Penn State football season in a nutshell from, from this particular conversation. And again, it's not to pile on Sean Clifford right before his senior day, but it is descriptive of the way that this offense has worked and the way that this season is laid out and why the inconsistencies in the offense continue because this is a week-to-week -week thing. There's not a building of a Rolodex of, okay, this is what this team is going to do to us because as we've talked about in the film studies and here before, there are multiple ways that teams have tried to attack Penn State. So I'll give you an example. Last week against... Uh, Rutgers, what they were doing is they would start in their cover four shell and they would rotate the safeties unexpectedly where they would show coming down onto one side of the formation and then they would back out of that and they'd rotate the other safety down in an unexpected way. First off, unexpected for Rutgers and secondly, not a way that most teams do that. And that was games, game plan specific so the Penn State would be running into the safety who is jumping into the box as a free defender. So early in the game, Penn State was caught a couple times with that. Later in the game, they used safety rotation to their advantage. They were able to manipulate and move the safeties who were in man coverage to get a big explosive run from Katron Allen. So the play calling and the execution of the plays evolved throughout the game, but getting that initial surge... They have not been consistent at being able to string together drives to gather information, to call better plays, and to execute them more effectively. That has been a problem for Penn State throughout the season. And it's something that against Michigan State, we're going to find out, are they actually going to play those two safeties deep? Or do they know with Sean Clifford and which game plan they want to attack him with that you don't want to allow Mike Yersich to throw the ball deep because his personality is to attack, especially if he feels like there's a weakness in the secondary. Or are they going to play the run? Are they going to stuff the box? That unexpected twist, those unexpected things are what Penn State needs to find out on senior day, and they need to put together good drives early to get that information. 
So hopefully that gives you a preview of what to expect from the Penn State perspective. And that's where losing a guy like Parker Washington to bring this full circle, you need to have players that can just execute, right? That, okay, so we don't have a full beat on this. Just go catch the ball. Throw the ball to him, have him catch it, and get the first down. A lot of times, it, you know, as complex and intricate as we just made all of this, it does come down to that. Having one less player to consistently get you yards and move the chains, because this offense does not have a plethora of explosive options, they need to be able to move the chains, identify, and then attack. And without Parker Washington, they're down to one less player that can do that, but still... They're more talented than Michigan State at this point. And I think that's pretty clear. So that'll do it today for the BWI Daily Edition. Our full preview coming up tomorrow of the game against Michigan State with Nate Bauer and Sean Fitz. And then Friday, we're still working out the schedule, but I do believe we're going to have uh, Ryan Snyder, who's going to be back for best bets. And then, of course, we'll do our game preview some more scouting ideas, some more scouting tape from me on Friday before the game. And then, of course, the postgame show. BWI Live postgame show. You're going to be eating leftovers. Your family's going to go out Black Friday shopping. Throw us on after the game and have a nightcap uh, of the game, which starts at 4 o'clock. Odd start time. That'll do it today for the BWI Daily Edition. We will talk to you tomorrow. Happy Thanksgiving.